0: You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Built Jesus Tough, Part 1. Enjoy. The first quarter of 2016 has been completed. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, 2016, first quarter's been completed. And if you'll remember, uh, we, we had a lot of snow last Sunday. I shared a little bit of this last Sunday, but we, we, we said uh, at the end of each year, I shared with you that I like to just seek the Lord and say, God, you have a focus for the upcoming years, something you want us to focus on? And at the end of 2015, I really felt that God wanted us to focus on his promises to really instill them in our hearts and make them the the reason for what we do, that we would make our daily decisions not based on what we've been through, not based on what others have said, but based on the promises of God. So we started our first series of the year called Soul Wars, and we saw that God's promises are our armor and our protection. And we're gonna start a brand new series today. And it's called Built Jesus Tough. Anybody drive a Ford truck in here? I don't. Let, do you? They're tough, right? But this is tougher. It's called Built Jesus Tough. I think that this year is going to be a year of renovation, Mm -hmm. reconstruction, and new construction in our lives. If you're going to grow, then construction is a part of that. God wants to make room in your life for what he wants to do. All you have to do is to be willing to let him do that. I remember we got our first home in 1999, little cape, the real estate agent called it a cream puff, right? Yeah, the, the, the previous owner, it was built in 1950, just took immaculate care of the place. Beautiful home, little home, but beautiful. And, but the basement was not finished, And there was some construction down there, but it wasn't finished, so we wanted to finish it. So I don't know a whole lot about construction, but I figured I could do demolition. (laughs) So I went to Home Depot, which was where I I learned everything I (laughs) learned about building things, HDU. And I got a Wonder Bar. Anybody know what a Wonder Bar is? Yeah, I got a Wonder Bar, and boy, are they wonderful, those Wonder Bars. I took my Wonder Bar, I went down in the basement, and I just tore that thing apart, about a dumpster's worth of materials with a Wonder Bar. And and then we had a a crew come in and and really did an amazing job on the basement. But that was a renovation. I had to tear out things that we didn't want there anymore because they were getting in the way of something better. I had to remove things from our basement to make room for what we desired, for what was much better. God has something much better for you than what you've known. He wants to take you higher and deeper than you've ever been before. The past is not our frame of reference. God's promises are. Amen. And you want to be aware of that because you can, you can get stuck because of what you've been through thinking that's all there is. Oh, no. God wants to take you higher than you've ever dreamed or imagined in your life. So we're going we're gonna to get the wonder bar of God's promises, and we're going to let his promises remove anything in our hearts that shouldn't be there. What do you mean? You know, sometimes going through life and experiencing the things we experience, we develop a, a distorted picture of God. And we start to base what we believe about God on how we've been treated by others or on the things that we've gone through. And as a result, we, we, it hinders our relationship with Him. But when we start to install God's promises in our hearts and minds, the light of his promises begins to reveal to us, wait a minute, God is much better than that. That's not who he is. God, I've believed things about you that weren't true. Forgive me. I want to know you as you are. I want to experience you as you are, not as others said you are, but as you are. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5, talks about the power of God's promises. Through God's promises, through faith in his word, we're going to, during this series, we're going to cast down imaginations in every hyphen that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I like how the message translation says it. This is a good description of the wonder bar here. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophy. What's a warped philosophy? Believing that it's God's will for you to be sick. That's a warped philosophy. Just make it plain. What's a warped philosophy? Believing that it's God's will for you to be depressed. Believing that it's God's will for you to be poor. That's a warped philosophy. Tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God. Tearing down barriers. So if I believe that it's God's will for me to be sick, what does that do? That builds a barrier in my life that prevents me from receiving the healing that he wants to give to me, that he's given to me already through Christ. Fitting every loose thought. I like that. Thoughts can be loose and wild if you let them. They'll just roam around your mind, unchecked if you let them. And they'll grow from thoughts to more thoughts. And eventually become barriers and strongholds that will get in the way of the abundant life that God has for you. Fitting every loose thought and emotion. Wow. God's promises will bring your emotions into, into alignment with his person. Emotions and impulses into the structure of life shaped by Christ built Jesus tough. No one is tougher than Jesus. You know that, right? No one. I mean, the, the this man during his ministry on earth displayed this unparalleled determination, resiliency, uh, steadfastness, this commercial grade industrial strength that was supernatural no one could make him afraid <laughs> he never gave in to the temptation of fear not even once in his life that's powerful no one could deter him from fulfilling his god-given destiny. How about you? Are you going to fulfill your God-given destiny? Are you going to quit? What do you think? You're going all the way, aren't you? Right? We are those who go all the way, who fulfill our God-given destiny. We're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. So no one can make Jesus afraid, and a life built on God's promises is a life built Jesus tough. So are you ready? You ready to do some construction, some renovation? I remember as a kid when we were building our home, we moved from the city out to the country to my grandpa's, And we were building a home out in this big field, and you looked out in the field, it was just a field with trees and and thorns and just wild stuff growing. So we had to clear the field was the first thing we had to do. There are wild things and loose thoughts growing. And as we go through this series, you're going to find there there are thorns, maybe, or loose things that are going to be exposed, ways of thinking that need to go. Are you willing to let go of the way that you've been thinking for the last 20 years? Why not, right? We're not, we're not clinging on to, I, I, I'm not clinging on to any, anything that I've done or anything that I've been told. I want more of Jesus. So we went into that field and we burn it. We lit it on fire. <laughs> right? That's what the Holy Spirit will do. He'll cleanse you. Right? He'll burn up that chaff, that stuff that doesn't belong, that stuff that's keeping your heart from being whole and happy. See? Hallelujah. So it's, it's really simple. There are only two steps to being Jesus tough. That's all. Here's step number one. Are you ready? So step number one to being Jesus tough. Make God the Father your all in all. That's it. Step one. In other words, you make a conscious decision to make knowing him the consuming passion of your life. There's no religion about this. Forget religion. It won't help you. Amen. Amen. It's a false drug. You need God. You need a living daily relationship with the one who made you. So if you want to be like Jesus, where no one can deter you from your God-given destiny, where you don't give in to fear anymore, step one is choose to make God the Father your all in all. Choose to make knowing Him the consuming passion of your life. And what we do here at Highway Church, we look to Jesus to learn how to live. That's what we do. We know at Highway Church that Jesus came for two reasons. Right? He came, number one, as our substitute. He was our substitute in his persecution, in his scourging, in his crucifixion, in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Right? We can't do those things. He did them for us, so we don't have to. But he was our example in the way that he lived, in his heart attitude towards God and man. So let's look at our example as we grow and become Jesus tough. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. We are not going to quit. We're not going backwards. We're going forward. We're going all the way, and no one's going to discourage us or deter us from the joy of the Lord, which is the strength of our lives. No one is going to deter us from being everything God purposed us to be. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at our example now. I like Luke chapter 2. It's become one of my favorite places because it's a unique place in the Bible. It gives us an insight into the boyhood life of Jesus. The other gospels don't have the details that Luke has. So let's look at this boy Jesus. Remember, this is Jesus as our example that we're looking at now. All right? Luke chapter 2, verse 42. And when he was 12 years old, Jade, how old are you? Are you 12? And you're going to be 13 on September 16th, right? I remember this the same day as my wife's birthday. She'll be 13 too. Go. No, 23, actually. Yeah, so he's 12 years old. Judah's 12. So this is real life, right? Here it is, this 12-year-old boy. He goes with his family to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus, 12 years old, Our example lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. So here's a boy just going through his normal life with his family, okay? But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So they couldn't find Jesus. He wasn't with their family and acquaintances. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him. Where did they find him? In the temple. temple. Yeah. In church. What was he doing? He was sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. So we see right now that being in church was a priority to this 12-year-old boy. Why? Why? He wanted to know his father. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Who is she blaming for her anxiety? Her son. Is he responsible for her anxiety? No. Don't blame anyone for anxiety in your life. Anxiety will come whether you want it or not. You have to say no to it and let the peace of Christ reign in your mind and heart. He was not responsible for that anxiety. The things that happened to me growing up are not responsible for any anxiety in my life. See, if I attribute the the feelings and emotions and loose thoughts that are going on inside of me to something someone did to me, that makes me a prisoner of what happened to me in the past. But when I realize what happened to me in the past is not who I am, that I I was made by God and that he loves me and he has a plan and a purpose for my life. I'm no longer a prisoner to the way I've been treated and to what I've been through. I realize I can rise above it now and put my faith in him. Verse 49. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Is he being a smarty pants? Not at all. He's he's asking a question. He wants to know. Did you you not know? They should have known because they they raised him, right? The way he's lived, his 12-year life has clearly shown what he's about to say. Did you not know? Haven't I shown you by the way that I live, mom and dad, that I must, there's no option for me, I've made a decision, I must be About my father's business. Businessman at 12 years old. Love it. Right there. (laughs) Right? I've I've made a decision, obviously long before this moment. Who knows how old he was when he made that decision. I've made a decision that my whole life's going to be about knowing him. But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. This is not a common decision. You're not going to hear about this decision very often on the news. But it's a decision that every man, woman, and child should make. It's not something reserved just for boy Jesus. It's the heart cry of every human being. You are God hungry. May as well stop denying it. You are. And that That desire to know God has has driven every human being since the dawn of time. Unfortunately, so many have tried to satisfy that desire with religion and politics and, and philosophies instead of coming to him. So then he went down. Jesus went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things In her heart. And look what happened to Jesus as our example in verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. It says that earlier in chapter 2 too. Why is that verse important? God has never increased. God is the beginning and the end. He's never grown. He's never increased. He's perfection. Jesus came to earth as a man. Was he God? Yes, he was God. But he came to earth as a man. He was all God and all man, but this is the man, Jesus, we're looking at. He had to learn God's destiny for his life just like you have to learn yours. By coming to church, listening, asking questions, studying the Scriptures, by making a choice to know the one who made you to be about what he's about. You see that? Jesus increased. God can't increase. This is the man. This is our example. We want to increase. We want to increase in God. We're not staying the same. No, I'm not who I am, who I was. I'm not who I was last Sunday. You're stronger today than you were last Sunday. Are you abiding in him? We're abiding in him. We're abiding in his word. We're stronger today than we were yesterday. We're stronger in April than we were in March. We're increasing in Christ. We're growing stronger. Your vision for your future should be increasing more than what you've been in every area of life. So this statement, I must be about my father's business, this this number one principle of being Jesus tough, making God the Father your all in all, this is the meaning of life. This is the focus of life. This is why we're on planet Earth. We're living in a fallen world that's falling apart, but we have an opportunity to walk in faith with the one who made us to demonstrate to him that we believe even though we can't see him, to know him spirit to spirit, and to demonstrate to him how much we love and and how, how how grateful we are for what he's done for us. So life really isn't about accumulating wisdom and knowledge. It's not. It's not about doing feats of physical strength and who can run the fastest and throw the farthest. It's not about accumulating wealth. This is what life is really all about. I like how Jeremiah said it. Let's look at Jeremiah 9, 23. Knowing God is the reason you're on earth. Knowing God is the reason that he knits you together in your mother's womb. It's the focus of life. It's why we're here. It's what it's all about. And Jeremiah said it perfectly <laughs> through the Spirit of God. He said, thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom. That's not what we're here for, to accumulate wisdom and knowledge. Let not But boy, how many people have made that the focus of their life, right? That's not what it's all about. And let not the mighty man boast of his might. How many people have made that the focus of their lives, right? Let not a rich man boast of his riches. How many people have made that the focus of of their lives? Well, what's our focus? Let him who boasts... Boasts of this, that he understands and knows me. Oh, I love it. I love it. What do we boast about? That we understand and know him. That's the meaning of life. Do you understand and know him? If not, it's time. That I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness. That's who he is. He's love. Justice and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't let anyone or anything cause you to drift from this focus. Knowing him. Where you work should not be the focus of your life. Your marriage, your family should not be the focus of your life. This is our focus, knowing Him. Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 6. And it's so good. Let's look at it in verse 25. We're going to look at it in a couple translations. It's so good. Verse 25, now this is our example talking, right? He's, he's given us the meaning of life, being about the Father's business. I mean, aren't we different sitting here in a dance hall on Sunday morning? Yes. Reading the Bible, that's different, right? <laughs> what moves us to do something like that? We want to know him. We want to know him. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought. Boy, I like the way he says it there in the King James. (laughs) Talking about those loose thoughts, don't take them. Take no thought for your life. Wow. Have you ever had a thought for your life? (laughs) Yeah, daily, right? It's like a ticker tape, right? Sure, don't take them what don't grab a hold of them and contemplate them take no thought for your life what you shall eat what you shall drink nor yet for your body what you shall put on is not life more than meat than the body than raiment behold the fowls of the air Tweety Bird right you guys know Tweety Bird he went through some stuff didn't he but that cat could not catch him. We're like Tweety Bird, boy. Sylvester's not going to catch us, right? <laughs> Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. They're unemployed, some would say. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? There's a thought, loose thought right there. You're more valuable to God than all the birds in the world. How many species of birds are there? Do you know what? There's no man that can answer that question. We don't know. That's how many. (laughs) They don't know how many species of birds there are in the earth. And you're more valuable to God than all of them. So the thought that you're not important and not valuable is a thought you need to get rid of. Today. Today. God values you more than the earth and his creation. He values people more than animals. We love our dog and cat, but they're not people. God values you more than this planet. You're priceless to him. You're the price of his son that he gave. So why have you by taking, or excuse me, which of you by taking thought, can you see yourself taking thought throughout the day? Right? These thoughts come by, you grab that one. How are, how are things going to work out? How are we going to pay the bills? Or how is this situation going to work out? How is this project? How are the funds going to come in for this? How is our budget going to be met? All these thoughts, and you're grabbing them, right? Who of you, by doing this, can add one cubit unto his stature? The answer is no one. In other words, there's nothing productive, No fruit, nothing will be produced of good by you doing that throughout the day, by grabbing a hold of all these concerns and contemplating how it's all going to work out. And why take thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon, the wealthiest of all kings, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, Thank you Lord. O you of little faith? Are you telling me God wants to clothe you more than Solomon in all of his glory? Am I making that up? Did Jesus say that? What was the comparison he made? Right? He compared Solomon with the lilies of the field and said the lilies of the field blow Solomon away and God wants to clothe you more. How much more will he clothe you? Wow. Verse 31. Do you see the prosperity in this? And I know that's a word that that raises religious red flags. You can't can't preach that God wants you to prosper. Well, Jesus did. The Bible teaches it through and through from Genesis to Revelation. And we've got to stay with what God says. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewith shall we be clothed? For after all these things that the Gentiles seek, who are they? Those who have not made the decision to be about the Father's business. For your heavenly Father knows you have need of all these things, but seek first. First, right? There's only one first place. There's there's just one. (laughs) Seek first the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things, right? And his righteousness. Now, don't turn this into a religious quest. How do you seek God's righteousness? Most would say, by trying to do more things right. and Wrong answer. Most would say, well, how do I seek God's righteousness? Well, I've got to correct all these things in my life. I've got to change this. I've got to change this. I've got to do that right. I've got to stop doing this. And all of a sudden, a list of 28, 30, 35, an endless list begins to grow. That's not what he's talking about. Romans 5.17 says that his righteousness is a gift. You can't earn that. I seek the righteousness of God by putting my faith in what Christ did for me. See, I put God first when I don't try and earn my righteousness, but I receive the righteousness he gave for me. When I try and earn it, I'm not putting him first. I'm putting me first. Right? That's what religion does. Religion puts its methods above God. You've got to earn that righteousness, and this becomes a life quest. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. His righteousness is a gift, and all these things shall be added unto you. Let's look at it in the message. I like this verse 25. If you decide for God, <laughs> living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes. Or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. Now, my wife asked me last night at dinner, she made tuna steaks. Boy, were they good. She says, What's your favorite meal? And I, I said, I, Did I make? I said, Well, I don't know. You make, she makes so many good things. I don't have a favorite. So we started going through them because my birthday's coming up. Yeah. So, Cindy, like, what do you want for your birthday? So we started talking, you know. And, you know, I, 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 as I'm, I'm thinking, I I'm thought, when love is overflowing in your life, you're really not concerned about what you eat. I mean, I grew up where food was a big deal. And what, it was tradition. I'm not knocking or anything. But, but my mom had to learn from my dad's mom how to make the things that he grew up with. And that was really important. But when I married Jennifer, we, we came together because we were about the father's <laughs> business. And the love is flowing. I don't care what we eat. I really don't. Peter Byron Jelly's okay with me. I want her. That's right. right? So, what she makes is not a big deal to me. I enjoy food. But when, when Jesus is saying, man, when you choose a life of God worship, when love is flowing in your life, these things aren't going to bother you. Uh-huh. That's right. So, if, if things are bothering you and getting to you, make that choice to live a life of God worship. Choose to focus on his love for you, his care for you, his provision for you. These things aren't going to bother you anymore. There's far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach. More to your, can you imagine if our marriage was about tuna steaks? <laughs> what if she burns the steaks? I guess that's the end of the marriage, huh? No, come on, we're, we're God people. Love reigns in our homes. Love reigns in our marriage. It's not about what our spouses do for us. How silly. It's about knowing him. Marriage is about knowing him. Hallelujah. That's why we get married, to know him more. That's why we stay single if you're single, to know him more. Everything we do, we do to know him more. Whether we're single or we're married, whether we're a child or an adult, we do what we do to know him more. Amen. It's for everybody. Hallelujah. The clothes, the appearance, uh, more to your outer appearance. There's more to your outer appearance than the clothes that hang on your body. Look at the birds. He's back to the birds again. I love it. They're free and unfettered. Are you free? Unfettered, man, there's nothing like being free. Free, free, free indeed. Free and unfettered, not tied down to a philosophy of man. Ah, not tied down to man's religious philosophies. Not tied down to man's expectations and labels. Not tied down to what I've been through. Not tied down to a job description. Hallelujah. Maybe this year is a change for you in where you work. Hmm. Not tied down to a job description. Careless in the care of God. There's the good life right there. Careless in the care of God. That's us. And you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? No. All this time and money wasted on fashion. Do you think it makes that much difference? Mm -hmm. Instead of looking at the fashion, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? Have you ever seen a field of wildflowers? They're not like it. The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby (laughs) alongside them. (laughs) If God gives such attention... To the appearance of wild flowers, most of which are never even seen. Think about that. The attention, the design, the forethought, the dream of God to make such beautiful flowers, most of which are never even seen. Don't you think he'll attend to you? That he'll take pride in you? He'll do his best for you. If that's not prosperity, I do not know what the definition of the word is. God doing his best for you. We see in the Old Testament what that meant. God doing his best for Israel. There was no other nation that compared to him when they walked with him. And we're in a new covenant. With better promises. God wants to do his best for you. Would you let him? Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. That, 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 that involves some renovation and expansion right there. I've got to change the way I think now, right? I've got, to, I've got to let God expand my thinking so he can do his best for me. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to be uptight and stressed. No. <laughs> what I'm trying to do here is next verse, guys is to get you to relax. Are you telling me God wants me to relax? Yes. He doesn't want you going through life stressed. He wants you to go through life relaxed and at peace. The only way that's possible is choosing to make him the passion of your life. To relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting So you can respond to God's giving. To not be so preoccupied with all these thoughts going through your mind each day. But to be preoccupied with the provision of God for your life. To not be so preoccupied with circumstances and the things that people have said. But to be preoccupied and focused on the provision that God has made for you through Jesus Christ. People who don't know God. And the way he works fuss over these things. We don't, but you know both God and how He works. Steep your life in God reality. God initiative. God provisions. I like that word "steep. Anybody drink tea in here? Yeah. Tea bag, if you use tea bags, you steep that tea bag in the hot water. Right? Can you see it just dropping down into the hot water and sinking to the bottom of the cup? That's us in Christ. Right? What does that hot water do? We're immersed in Christ. We're saturated. We're surrounded by. We're soaking in Jesus. We're abiding in Him. That hot water pulls all the flavor out from the inside of that tea bag. And as you abide in Jesus on Monday morning, right, you're, you're, you're meditating on his promises, you're worshiping him. As you go throughout your day, as you do it, the, the gifts, the potential, the destiny that's inside of you, the Holy Spirit will draw it to the surface and you'll discover who you are made to be. Yes, yes. But it's by steeping yourself in him. Yes. And there are other things that the world is inviting you to steep in, but steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in Christ. All right. Paul summarized it this way. I look what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Let's go there. So we're still on, we're still on step number one, built Jesus tough, Right? Step number one, make God, make knowing God the Father, make God the Father your all in all. This is step number one to be in Jesus' stuff. Step number one. And Paul said it this way. Jesus said it in Matthew 6. We're going to look at Paul, same spirit talking. But what things were gained to me? Think about the things that you've considered gain in the past. What things were gained to me, those I counted loss, For Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. So all of those things that you once thought were gain, when you compare them to in a relationship with the one who made you, they're dung. And, he, and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ that's what Jesus says: seek first God's righteousness right it's not of the law it's not of works it's by faith Paul's saying the same thing but which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God God by faith look at verse 10 there it is that I may know him see that That word no, you want to know about that word no? It's the same word that Mary said to Gabriel when Gabriel said, you're going to bear a son. She said, how can this be seeing that I know not a man? It's the same word that talked about Joseph that said Joseph knew not Mary until after Jesus was born that I may know him. What are we talking about here? Intimacy, oneness, union with God. The Living Bible says it this way, verse 7. But all these things that I once thought very worthwhile could be, you know, you, you pick in your life. Now I've thrown them all away. That's a big decision, isn't it? so that I can put my trust and hope in Christ alone. I made this decision at 19, and I'm so glad I did. Yes, everything else is zero when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Don't make the mistake of the rich young ruler and think that what you will give up is greater than what you will gain. By following Christ. Nothing could be further from the truth. I've put aside all else, counting it worth less than nothing in order that I can have Christ and become one with him. No longer counting on being saved by being good enough or by obeying God's laws. You can't do it. But by trusting Christ to save me. For God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith, counting on Christ alone. So faith and confidence in God becomes very important to me now, right? Faith in what He's done for me through Christ. Now I've given up everything else. I've found it to be the only way to really know Christ and to experience the mighty power that brought him back to life again and to find out what it means to suffer and to die with him. that's what he said in Galatians 2.20. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Can we put that up there real quick? Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Talking about dying with Christ, right? I died at 19. And Christ began living in me. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I live right here in Raynham, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, that's the next verse, for if righteousness come by the law, it's not there? You got verse 21? All right. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead In vain. Last verse, verse 11. So whatever it takes, I will be one. You've got to make up this decision. What happened to so-and-so, it doesn't matter. You've got to make, no no one can decide for you what your life is going to be like but you. No one has the sovereignty over your life but you. No one has the power to make up your mind but you. God gave every human being that. It's a sovereign gift from God, the freedom to choose, because we're made in his image and we're free. So whatever it takes, I will be one. I don't know about everybody else, but I will be one who lives in the fresh newness of life. How about you? Whatever it takes, I've made a decision, I'm going to live in the fresh newness of the life of Christ of those who are alive from the dead. Have you made that decision? But I don't know. I I knew so and so and this happened to them and my dad and my mom. What have you decided? What is your future hold for you? What do you want the quality of your life to be? Whatever it takes, I am one who's gonna live in the fresh newness of life. I can't make up anybody else's mind. I can't choose for anybody else, but I've made this decision. I've made a conscious decision to receive all that God did for me in Christ. So this is what we're going to do. We don't have time to get into number two. We'll get into number two next week. The second step to being Jesus tough, and the last step, it's only two, one's make God the Father all in all. Number two is build your life on his promises. That's it. Make knowing him the consuming passion of your life and then begin to build your life on his promises and nothing will be able to make you afraid anymore. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through God's promises for your spirit, soul, and body and finances, every area of your life. Right? And, and we're going we're gonna to build them into your heart. We're going to strengthen you in them so that you can go forward and be all that he's made you to be. You're only as strong as the promise you're standing on. You're only as strong as what you believe. What do you really believe? Hallelujah. So to help us grow strong, we're going to have some memory verses. You guys ready to have a memory verse? Let's do one. Philippians 3.10a. This is our first one. There will be a prize. If I call on you and you can recite these, there will be a prize. I'm not kidding. I give, we give good prizes too. Someone got 100 bucks on Easter for finding the, 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 the hidden treasure. Are you ready? This is, this is it. This is our memory verse. You can take a picture of it with your phone. Right? This is the, amp, the Living Bible Translation. Oh, excuse me. What's not the storm one. Do the Amplified, Eden, 310A. There you go. There it is. This is it. It's just this. It's the very beginning. It's the Amplified. We're, 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 we're doing step one right now. You ready? This is it. For my determined purpose is that I may know Him. Got it? That's it. Have you, have you made that? Is that your determined purpose? I'm encouraging you to make this your determined purpose, right? For my determined purpose is that I may know Him, that I may progressively become, it's a process, more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of His person more strongly and more clearly. That's our memory scripture. There's a prize if you can recite it. All right, let's say it again. For my determined purposes, what I'm all about, the whole focus of my life, is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Amen. Father, we have made a decision that you are our everything, that our whole life is about knowing you and we're not going back. Anything else is worthless compared to this. It's a brand new Day today, We're built Jesus tough. We're strong in you and in your mighty power. And your promises have paved the way for us. So Father, we thank you for this time together in your presence this morning. And we receive all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, grow your word in us. Fertilize the seeds of your word that have been planted in our hearts today. Protect them and help them to grow and flourish this week in Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.